Hello everybody, we are back and we are ready to talk about some film, television and pop culture and video games and stuff. Hell, I don't talk about any of this crap. I let the Jstrom and Steven the pop culture do it while I try to hack into the master control program. Peace. It is time for Entertainment Landfill News. How are you doing this evening? I am here to talk to you about film, television, pop culture, and video games. But I don't do it alone. I also do it with Stephen the Pop Culture Zealot. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Hello, Stephen. It's so good to see you again, sir. Good to see you, sir. We kind of got screwed up last Friday. We were supposed to do a show and then go see Wonder Woman together. Right. Then, what happened? You, you're playing... Stinking storm. A storm delayed your flight. You got rerouted to Austin. Got rerouted to Austin. We stood in Austin for three and a half hours, and they're like, okay, so getting back on the plane at 9.30, the flight, our movie's at 11. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, it'll take 30 minutes. Yeah, at first it was like, you know what? I won't be able to do a show, but I will get there just in time for the movie. Right. So it's like, oh, okay. So this 30-minute flight turns into an hour flight. Yeah. And I land at about 10.30 that night. I remember at one point you were... And I'm sitting there waiting for my bags. And yeah. Our, and our bag is saying that it's on this carousel. For the longest time, you were you said, we haven't left yet. We're about to take off. We're about to take off. And I was like, oh, damn. I don't know if he's going to make this. Right. Then you're like, okay, we should be landing soon. I was like, oh, okay. He's going to make it. But then I was sitting in the theater. And, and I'm you like, know, I'm waiting on my bag. And you're like, you texted me. You said, I'm waiting on my bag. And I was like, oh, no, he's not going to make it. <laughs> And so I, I, we're waiting and waiting for our bags, and finally I see this other dude, and I recognize him from my flight, and he's walking away with his bag. I'm like, and I saw him tap somebody else. I guess he was sitting close to him. He goes, our bags are on the other carousel. So who knows how long they've been going around oh, over no. there. Oh. And, you know, and the, the, I'll say idiots, the, the, the people at, the airlines, you know, didn't announce our bags got changed to a different. So carousel. you might have been able to get your bag like way sooner. I don't. What time did the movie start? Eleven thirty. It 11:20? started about eleven twenty, I guess. Okay. I 
maybe I might have walked in about eleven thirty if I'd have gotten my bag at like ten forty five. Mm-hmm. Um, it took way longer, and I took because at one I point I thought I was taking a short route to get over here, and it wound up not being a shorter route. No, yeah, but, at one point you said I'm still gonna make it. I'm gonna co- I'm gonna go ahead and show up. I drove right by the theater, and I was like, it's ten till midnight. It's been on for an hour. Yeah. And I kept, you know, I was watching the movie, but it kind of like my head would veer to the right going, no, that's not Steven. <laughs> Somebody coming back from the restaurant. anyways. Yeah. And... That's why I was like, are you tired? You're like, yeah, pretty much. So it like would have been pretty. I mean, the only reason we even saw the movie that late at night is because. That's uh, the only 3D XD. Yeah. They, they show like at seven o'clock or whatever, a 2D showing. I wanted to see it 3D. Uh, I know some people are like, what? 3D sucks, man. But no, XD 3D is pretty good there. And I thought it would have been fun. But you did eventually get to see Wonder I Woman. I saw it Sunday matinee. Sunday matinee. Like uh, noon. Did you get to see it in 3D uh-huh. after all? And in the XD and all that? Uh-huh. Yes. Cool. Um, so that's why we didn't do a show last Friday. I really wanted to. But it was just like, you know what? It's not in the cards. That's one thing. Doing this show since 2005 till now... <laughs> You don't fight it. If it's not going to happen, don't worry about it. And usually it's springtime when I usually have with the storms come rolling in. Mm-hmm. And we pass springtime and we're almost into summer and we get freak storm, summer storm, you know? Yeah. And it's like, ugh. And it was, it did, it's been raining quite a bit. And uh, I think yeah. it was raining while we were in the movie theater, maybe. And, Perhaps. Um, no. I think um, it, was, it had stopped by then. Yeah. It had been raining all day, though. Right. Um, and we'll talk about Wonder Woman here in a bit, but uh, I actually got to see 52577 finally. That's how long ago this was. That was right. on the 25th it came out, May 25th. I finally saw that. Heather and Emma and I, this is so funny. I'm. This is what time I go to bed on a regular basis. I got to sleep around. I lay down in bed around 11 at night now, Stephen. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't stay up late anymore. By 1130, I'm asleep. It's because during the regular school year, I have to get up at 550, take a shower, get dressed. Then I wake Emma up. Then I get Heather up and, you know, make coffee or breakfast for whatever, and then get, take Emma to school. So it's just easier for me if I go to sleep early and don't stay up late. So now, even though we're in summer, I haven't really adjusted. I'm not staying up till 1 a.m. or anything. So uh, we went to go see that movie at 9.50. It was showing one showing only, 9.50 at night in Richardson. So we drove over there. And first of all, the I've never been to an Alamo draft house before. I right. thought it was pretty cool. Um, they were showing nothing but old Star Wars Kenner toy commercials, like action figures and stuff. Just, <laughs> you know, like the same kind we use on our breaks when we right, do right. those old commercials. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm in heaven here watching this. Because the the movie 52577 is all about a kid who's a filmmaker in a small town whose parents don't know what to do with him because all he does is use things from their house and kids, you know, he grabs a horse from a nearby farm and paints it into a zebra for his movie without asking permission. (laughs) And he fills uh, their swimming pool with red dye 
for a Jaws shark attack and they ruins the pool and ruins the pump. And uh, he's always doing things like that. He goes, mom, it's, it's, I'm making a movie here. And she's like, she grabs one of his uh, cinema uh, magazines and he looks up the editor, Herb Lightman, and she calls him on the phone and she's like, I don't know what to do with my son. All he cares about is movies and making movies. I'm going to send him down there. Can you show him around? And the guy's like, uh, sure. Okay. (laughs) And she's like, really? Okay. And, uh, she uses a credit card. She can't afford it and sends him to California. And he's, he's interviewed all like Douglas Trumbull. The guy who did 2001, a space odyssey effects. And he's like, Hey, would you like to go see some, Douglas Trumbull and all these guys. And he's like, what I, so he takes him and they're making this little film called, uh, close encounters of the third kind. And he's sitting there looking, I don't remember in the movie, there are clouds parting with lights inside of it. They're filming that scene. It's like in a water tank with, uh, with this weird, uh, clouding effect. And they're filming that. And he's just going, Whoa. And Steven Spielberg comes and sits down next to me. He's like, pretty cool. Huh? And he's like, yeah, and his the Herb Lightman's like, what is Close Encounters of the Third Kind? And the kid, his name is Pat. He goes, the first kind is, you know, a sighting. You know, a second kind is of uh, it something. Leaves, it leaves a residue. Yeah. And the third kind is contact. It's contact or whatever. and abduction. And you just see the guy who's playing, you know, uh, Spielberg. He just kind of looks at him. He's like smiles or whatever. And it's funny. He's kind of talking to him, but he sees another model. He gets up and he walks away. And Steven Spielberg's like, okay. <laughs> you know, he just like loses interest in what he's saying. Because he does, you know, he knows who Steven Spielberg is, but he doesn't realize that's who he's talking to right there. Cause he's so swept up in all the models and stuff. And, uh, he shows him around and he's like, I'm sorry, Douglas Trumbull. He's out today. He's not going to show up. And he's like, Oh, really? So right as they're about to leave in, he comes walking in. It's like slow-mo like, Da-na. it's just like this old guy. Nobody know, you know, you would never know who this guy is walking down the street, but he knows it's Douglas Trumbull. And he's like, Hey, uh, Douglas, I'd like you to meet this kid. His, his name's Pat. He does effects. He makes his own little movies. He's like, hey. And he's like, whoa. And all he said to him was, hey. And he's like, hey, you want to see something we're working on? He's like, sure. And he takes them where they're making Star Wars. They're doing all the Star Wars effects. And he sees, like, the Millennium Falcon. He sees these rows of Death Star models that they're making the camera over. They've got these breakable uh, X-Wings. He goes, do you like these? Those are cool. They're made out of balsa wood, so they break easily. And he goes, smash. And he goes, no, don't break that. What are you doing? Why? And he's like, oh, that's what they're supposed to be done for. You know, you smash all these. He's like, stop, don't touch it. (laughs) And he goes, hey, we got a rough cut of the movie. How'd you like to be the first person to see it? You know, we watched it a million. We have no objective anymore. I mean. We're not objective anymore. Yeah, they're not objective anymore. And he goes, okay. So. At that point, you don't see him watch it. You see him go in a room, and then when he comes out, he's like this changed human being. Mm -hmm. And when he goes back to his hometown, he's trying to explain to everyone that there's this movie that's coming out that's going to change everything. And everyone's like, whatever, dude. You're just the weird movie guy, (laughs) whatever. And he is obsessed with everyone going to see Star Wars. And in fact, you know, he's talking to kids, and they're like, I'm not interested or whatever. So he even wants to get money 
you know, raise some money to buy everybody a ticket so they'll go see it. What he doesn't realize is it just takes overnight. Everyone hears about it word of mouth and everybody's going to go anyway, right? But it's it's a whole thing dealing with, um, it's kind of that coming of age tale, either stay in town, get married to the girl he loves, or go off to Hollywood to go after his dream. And the thing about the movie is, Patrick Reed Johnson, who wrote and directed it, he ran out of money a long time ago when he was making it, I think 2004. So he's been working on it ever since then. And there are sequences in the film you could tell they've added later on. You know, uh, John Francis Daly is the uh, the main character. He's since an adult now. I think he writes and directs movies now. Uh, but he's great in the film. And I can just tell there's peace, you know, almost, what's funny is almost like his character in the movie when he was a kid, he did everything he could to get a shot for a film, whatever effects he would like jury rig something. It looks like Patrick Reed Johnson has done that with this movie. He's taken whatever he can to finish the movie. And it's got a lot of character and heart to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I thought it was really good. And at the end of it, you know, I was looking over at Heather and Emma and we were, they were, they were all like, yeah, that was really good. I really liked that. It's almost like, even though it's a grown adult, it has, and he's made motion pictures. He made like a spaced invaders. <laughs> Do you remember that? He made the movie Angus. Okay. Uh, but he hasn't made a movie in a long time because he's been working on this one. It looks like, Patrick Reed Johnson from the past when he was a kid and present day all contributed to the movie. Uh, I think one day you're, you're going to see it on Blu-ray right. or whatever, and you'll see that he footage he couldn't use. You can tell like if it's some take, he puts them in silhouette against a background. So you just see him in silhouettes talking. And I'm like, uh, at first, I think that's weird, but then I realized he had to you, you do whatever he could with that footage to make it work in the film because he di- couldn't get another take. The actors aren't around anymore or whatever. Right. Or so they, instead, they've grown too much. Yeah, instead he made them into shadows talking against the backdrop of a window or something where you just see them in silhouette talking or whatever. And I could tell it's an effect, but at the same time, it has a lot of character, you know? It doesn't pull me out of the film. I just think it's cool. And there's there's moments in the movie where his character, because he's always thinking about movies, he will just kind of daydream and he'll his car will turn into like a hovercraft and just take off and fly into space. And then, you know, somebody's like, Pat, and he's like, huh? <laughs> you know, he just snaps out of it. And that reminded me when we're kids, we do that all the time where we daydream stuff, right? Yeah. There's this great scene where there's like the apes from Planet of the Apes. No, actually, they're not Planet of the Apes apes. He makes that when he's a kid, but they're the 2001 apes. And they're, but they're the people of his town and the, like the jocks or the cheerleaders. And they're all like, and he's like, guys, come here. You've got to touch this, please. I've got to show you something. Will you please come over here and touch this? It's the monolith. And they're not interested at all. And that's the whole thing. He's trying to like, make everybody realize that this movie is something special that comes out. And uh, he's worried that once it does come out, maybe he's made too much of it and it won't. And that's the thing. When you think back to, we were alive back then, there were lines around the block. Everybody, Star Wars mania went crazy. People seen it multiple times. But this is that time. You see him interview people. How many, how many times have you seen it? I've seen it 300 times. Yeah. It's like, 
holy shit yeah but he's worried that everyone's going to not be interested in star wars what's so funny is like he had nothing to worry about he's so stressed out for no reason which is funny but i really enjoyed 52577 i finally got to see it i've known about it for so long i finally got to see it and i was just like i've seen the movie i can't believe it <laughs> what sucks was i was in albuquerque mm-hmm. when it showed I was supposed to be in Denver, which I'm sure it showed there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a plane ticket for Denver, and a catastrophe happened in Albuquerque, and they're like, you got to go help there. Uh, We're changing your flight. And I was mm-hmm. just like... Uh, and there were like... No. It was only in certain select and theaters so, for one night, too. And so, yeah, I was like searching in Albuquerque to see if any place was showing it. And it's like... Your event is not showing or whatever. Uh, yeah. Crap. I was really worried uh, because for the longest time, there were, the closest theater was Houston and there was one in Austin. I thought, I was, that, yeah, it said like San Antonio or Austin were the closest yeah, ones to New And Heather was like, do you want to drive to Austin? I was like, I guess I'm going to have to. The only problem is Emma had school the next morning. <laughs> it was the last day of school. So that's what was so funny is uh, – after that, we were like, okay, Emma, we're going home. Lay down. Just start sleeping in the back seat or whatever, and we'll get you home. She's like, I can't sleep in the back seat. And she was like, guys, I stay up this late anyway half the time. And I was like, I don't. So what's so funny is we got home like around uh, 2 a.m. or something. I don't remember. It was like almost 2. And I went to bed right away. And I got her up the next day, thank God. But – um when we saw Wonder Woman at 11, I was like, oh, this is when I go to sleep, you yeah. guys. <laughs> I try to nap during the day, but it just doesn't work. I kind of just lean close my eyes, but I don't really fall asleep. Yeah, I had a nap. I napped yesterday when I got home. I went, I was out of town, obviously, in Denver, and uh, I got a strange bug up my ass to go see Metallica <laughs> Wednesday night. So... They get five songs in, or so, five, six songs, and a a lightning and rainstorm comes in. Oh, shit. And they're like, everybody get to the main concourse. There's lightning everywhere. Is this an indoor concert or outdoor? No, it's an outdoor. outdoor. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's full. It's Mile High Stadium. Oh, wow. So, everybody rushes out to the concourse, and... uh, we wait out the storm. They're like, we're not canceling this. Hang on. As soon as the storm passes, it's going pretty fast, you know. <laughs> We're like, okay. So 40, 45 minutes later, they they tell everybody, all right, come back into the stadium. And, you know, so it proceeded oh, from sh- there. Close so. One. Did they start with, like, uh, something to, involved in lightning, maybe? Yes, they did. They, they came back and played Ride the Lightning. <laughs> that, that was perfect. <laughs> and it's like, you know it wasn't part of their set. They, did they have to go back and practice? Like, dude, lightning, come on. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like, we got to so play like, this song. We got to practice this for 40 minutes and That's funny. get this set. And so the show went on and, you know, ended at midnight. And I still have to drive back to the outskirts where I'm staying an hour wow. away. Now, let me ask you, at your age, I mean, it doesn't matter what age you are, 
But was it deafening? You know how you have that post-concert, like, can't I didn't have hear the as ring, well? Because I think because it was open, mm-hmm. it, it's not that enclosed, like, arena. Right. So I didn't ring. I remember, like, going to concerts, and then afterwards you have that kind of, like, ringing in your ears where everything's kind of a little cottony in your ears. <laughs> I mean, I was kind I was, uh, I was, like, um, to, the, to the left of the stage. And I was close to this fire pit that just kept going off. You know? <laughs> so I felt the heat, felt the heat from this thing, and I had a great view because there was nobody in front of me. I was on the edge of the seat, and I could great view of the stage. And I kept calling. Uh, people would come up and stand right there, not quite in front of me, but to the left of me. And I was calling them rail monkeys because they'd come up there and they'd get shooed off. You know, it's like yeah. these aren't your seats. Go, uh, yeah. And so. So they put on a good show. Yeah, it was great. It was a fun show. And you'd said you'd seen them before. How many years ago? <sighs> Thirty-one years ago. <laughs> Thirty-one. Yes. Wow. I saw them uh, in what? So 80, you saw them when they still had 80, long hair and 86. stuff. Eighty-six. <laughs> yeah. Eighties. Wow. It was the the full band, the original band members back when Cliff Burton was still alive. Yeah, that was the year before he died. I think. Wow. Where'd you see him at? That Joe's Garage place? Or? No, this actually they, it was um, Reunion Arena, I believe. Ah, um, in Dallas. Uh, I was thinking they were Taylor they were an opening band. They weren't a headliner. Oh wow! Okay, so they opened for Ozzy. Cool. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, so yeah, I got to see. I skipped my. Junior, you got to start somewhere. I skipped my junior prom to see him. Nice. Yeah, that was probably a good, a good <laughs> better good, choice. Yeah, good <laughs> choice. Now, Stephen, we saw uh, before we get into like the news and stuff. We saw Wonder Woman. Did we you enjoy did. the film? Yes, I thought it was a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I saw it with Heather and Emma. I really liked. You remember Not I took the um, <laughs> I had a place to put my popcorn. That's a funny thing because they're reserved seats. Nice I got expensive seats. It's like nobody's sitting here, and so I got a seat right here. Um, I don't have no whiny kids sitting next. To me. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. I can sit here cozy. Nobody's gonna bother me. Uh, I really liked one thing that I said that DC films need to do straight narratives, no flash forwards, flashbacks, uh, sideways or uh, dream sequences. We didn't need any of that. This was the story of uh, Diana Prince or, well, the full you know, story was essentially a flashback, but it was right, a straight right. narrative flashback. Yes. It was her origin story, which right. was very cool. Here's what I everything I know about Wonder Woman is from the TV show with Linda Carter. I know right. she comes from Paradise Island. Are we going to do any spoilers? Do we need a spoiler alert for anything here? Uh, I don't think it's so. It's been a week. Have you had a chance to I see it? I don't think. I'm trying not really. to. I'll, I'll, that's what I'm asking you before I say anything. That well, uh, well, so and so happens to so and so. I all I know is that I didn't know much about Wonder Woman. I know she uh, can block bullets. I know she has a magic lasso. I know she has an invisible jet. She didn't in the movie, but maybe she nope. builds that later. I don't know where, where does she get that? Where does she get the metal for the invisibility? That's what I knew about Wonder Woman. I knew she came from an island, but in the TV show, it's called Paradise Island. But it's called the Mysteria or whatever. Yeah, uh, I thought that Robin Wright. It was like I knew that was Robin Wright, but also I'd go, "Is that Robin Wright?" Because the warrior, yeah, the warrior, the, the general. She was awesome in the movie, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, that's Robin Wright." And then I go, I "That's not Robin Wright." 
Yeah, it was like when uh, when she was a little kid, you know, and she's over there doing the kicks and everything, you yeah. know, and and her mom comes like, no, no, you're not doing this, you know, yeah. and Robin Wright's like, come see me. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I love that whole thing where should we go and sneak off to be trained? That yeah. was really awesome. Uh, I love that battle sequence there and the introduction of Steve Trevor, Chris Pine. I thought he was really good. I thought Gal, Gal Gadot, or Gal Gadot. Uh, she was fantastic in the movie. I liked her kind of innocence. She just wants to get out there and kill Ares and end the war. That's what she's there for kind of a thing. But her naivete of the way the world works, like people aren't generally just nice. And then right. Ares comes along and um, I thought the way they did things is really cool. And especially that big moment when the trench warfare where they're like, you can't go up there. That's no man's land. And she just, just like walks up. And then that was a really cool sequence. Yeah. And it, that just battle. Wonder Woman kicking ass. Yeah. When she's there and going across there and all of a sudden she gets down behind the shield and it's just it's glowing red from heat from being shot at and i like when she when she smashes the machine gun you know these mortal men and their guns uh well she can be killed too she's not immortal i don't know nobody's been able to kill her yet she's long lived Mm -hmm. um long lived long lived (laughs) long lived I don't know if she's immortal or not. I know her wounds well, no. healed really fast. Well, the... the I, uh, <laughs> also, uh, uh, I don't know. All, all I know is from this. Like, when you watch the cartoons other, or the in, comic in books... In the battle, mm-hmm. other, other Amazon warriors get killed. Well, I know, but she's not like them, though. Und- well, that's true. She's more special than there. But also, she can fly when she needs to. That's the thing, like in the cartoons or whatever, Wonder Woman's always on the ground or she has a jet, invisible jet or whatever. But if she needs to, she's going to fly too. I've, but here's what we know. She's a badass fighter. She knows how to fight. Like Superman, he's super strong, but he doesn't really have martial arts moves or anything. He just punches with pure strength. Wonder Woman... She can she has tussle, been, man. She's been trained to tussle. close quarter combat. I'm pretty sure she could kick Batman's ass. I'm pretty sure he would not pick a fight with Wonder Woman, don't you think? Oh, yeah. She'd take that shield and just smash his <laughs> outfit. Yeah. Crash his skull. I also, you know, I, the more I think about it, they didn't work in any sneaky cameos by Ben Affleck or whatever. They, you know, she Bruce Wayne is mentioned mm-hmm. and she reads like a letter that he sent, but there's not, they didn't, well, you see the truck with Wayne enterprises. Yeah. They didn't try to go out of their way to tie it into justice league. Do you know what I mean? Right. I liked that because the Batman V Superman, it felt like, okay, we got to, got to tell this story, but also we got to get justice league going here. But Bruce Wayne is trying to help her hide her identity from the past. Mm -hmm. He found that picture and he said, Tell me about it sometime or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the original picture of during this battle before No Man's Land, or just after No Man's Land. And you know what's funny is I some of the movie uh, reminded me of Captain America, the first Adventure, right. Avenger in some way. I did get a feel of that, too. But they kind of avoided, uh, they avoided copying it exactly. Right. 
I like that. Uh, first of all, like uh, Heather was telling, we were talking about it, how they never showed Wonder Woman, like showed off her cleavage or her body in any way. She was just there. There weren't any lingering shots. It was directed by a woman, Patty Jenkins. And the one nude scene is by Chris Pine, where he's totally naked covering his junk, you know? Yeah. And so the one person shown naked is a man. And uh, Heather was like, I like that. <laughs> you know, the, and I was like, I see what you mean. You know, they, they didn't objectify any women. Wonder Woman, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. But they don't like linger on her butt or whatever. If Michael Bay directed this, you totally lingering on her ass or yeah, cleavage, cleavage or whatever. And you don't need that. Uh, you don't need to sexualize Wonder Woman. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I like the... Uh talking about the i will say sexualizing or not sexualizing but when she comes uh back to the mainland with steve mm-hmm. and it's like we got to get you dressed right you know you yeah. can't have your warrior princess outfit on yeah that was pretty good the uh, changing uh, different outfits <laughs> she was like how do you kick in this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny and the little their little helper lady she mm-hmm. was funny she was great yeah and what did you think about the reveal of Ares at the end? I, I I knew it was like okay, this they're they're fishing you in with pointing you somewhere else. You know, it was like he's just an old guy. But yeah. then when they showed him in his armor and everything, yeah. I thought he looked pretty badass. And it's like they did. I mean, all of a sudden it's that guy, but superimposed on a big, yeah, hulking body. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you know, it's like he can hide his physical form to look like whatever. Yeah, he's been living among men for a long time, kind of manipulating. Well, he had to heal, too, because he mm-hmm. was injured pretty severely mm-hmm. hundreds you know of years I ago. I would very much like to see it again. I love the way the movie looked, the look of the film. I love the cool when she's telling the story about the gods and they showed the cool, it was like paintings moving kind right. of a thing. I thought that was really cool and well conceived. Uh, and I, you know, I love that wonder woman <laughs> stuff. thought that was cool. I like the music. I really enjoyed the, you know, I was thinking as the movie was ending, we were watching the credits. I was like the last DC universe movie to come out was suicide squad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> From Suicide Squad to this, oh my god, so much better. I remember after Suicide Squad, it's like, so what did you think of it? It's like, eh, you know, it's uh, you know, yeah. okay. Um oh, yeah. I'll never watch that again, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. But Wonder Woman was like I mean, would like to see this again. You never watch God, so bad. I never want to see Jared Leto Joker again. (laughs) But what did you think of the villain in this? The chick with the stuff on her face? Yeah. Yeah, The the, the Doctor Death or whatever. Yeah, working on the creepy chemicals. Yeah. And that moment where... It was funny, my nephew Severin, he was saying, just saw Superman. She lifts an effing tank! Superman. (laughs) I mean, no, she just seen Wonder Woman, sorry. (laughs) And he said, she lifts an effing tank over her head. And that yeah. was pretty sweet. She picks it up. Yeah. And he's like, kill her. And she's like, nah, I'm good. Uh, it, was, it was good stuff. I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed it very much, Stephen. Did you like it, he says? Yeah. 
So, anything more to say about uh, Wonder Woman other than... Go see it. Yeah. It made so much money. Yeah, I'm glad to see it was successful. <laughs> I know this. Emma said she genuinely enjoyed seeing a Wonder Woman, you know, kick butt. Right. And that and, was fun. And not, like you said, not sexualized kicking butt or whatever. And you know what's funny is I told Heather, I was like, I wasn't really that excited about Justice League. But then after Wonder Woman, I was like, I want to see Wonder Woman kick some ass in you Justice like to League. see this patty lady direct that. Yeah. Um, what's funny is they haven't signed her yet to make another Wonder Woman, but I'm pretty sure they will. I do a story later oh, on. Oh, yeah. After, after this? Yeah. I mean. Totally. Because she did a great bang up job. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our news, Stephen. All right. This is what you've been waiting for. Some entertainment news. God help us. That's right. Thank you, TRS-80, for that. Uh, this story came out actually a week ago, but I thought it was pretty fun, and I wanted yeah. to get into it. Bill, Dan, uh, Steven, uh, did I call you Bill? Uh, you did. Steven, Dan Aykroyd attacks Ghostbusters reboot director. So it's like, oh, my God. Do you physically attack him? Yeah. You beat him with a baseball bat or something like that? Came up, Strike him with a cane or something? <laughs> Ghostbusters star and co-writer Dan Aykroyd may have praised the reboot when it came out last year, but it seems he's got one lingering gripe. Speaking on Britain's Sunday Brunch, as shared by Ross McLean on Twitter, you know who that is, right, Stephen? Aykroyd was asked about Sony's all-female Ghostbusters reboot, and I think there's a clip here. Ghostbusters again, huge, still going because they just made a a, a sequel, not a sequel, a remake of it. Great, and Kate McKinnon and uh, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Kristen Wiig, what wonderful, wonderful players they are, and Leslie Jones. I was really happy with the movie, but it cost too much. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, uh, and Sony does not like to lose money. They don't, but it, it made a lot of money around the world, but it just cost too much, making it economically not feasible to do another one. So it's too bad. I, I, I you know, the director, he spent too much on it, and he, 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 he didn't shoot scenes we suggested to him, uh, several scenes that were going to be needed, and he said, no, we don't need them, and then we tested uh, the movie, and they needed them, and he had to go back, and about 30 to 40 million in reshoots, so... Yeah. So uh, he will not be back on the Sony. Yeah, that anymore. definitely gets up. <laughs> Did you hear that? He said he won't be allowed on the lot anytime soon. And uh, they say, uh, we do know there were some reshoots. Still going. Hey, stop it. There were some reshoots, but it's unclear how much they actually cost or what changes Sony was demanding. Um, so Sony has since said that, okay, it didn't cost $40 million. It was more like $10 million for the reshoots. Right. Uh, Still, $10 million just to do reshoots when but Dan Aykroyd and them are like, you need these. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd's like, here's what you need. Here's what I think. I mean, it's been a while since that movie came out. It came and went. Nobody's right. like going, Nobody's oh, missing when it. are we going to get a Ghostbusters sequel? Nobody's thinking that anymore. No. They took their chance to cash in on the Ghostbusters franchise, and they blew it big time. I mean, we said it during that show where we talked about it, which uh, Adam Sexton don't still isn't do listening reboot. to. You, if they were going do to a handoff, do a sequel, Dan Aykroyd's daughter, Bill Murray's niece, something like that. Uh, you know, Ernie Hudson's niece, which they tried to do it, but he's not. Uh, 
Winston from the movie, he's a different character, tie it into it. But instead, right. they tried to re- they rebooted it, and it there was it was a big. And I thought Kate McKinnon was probably the worst actress in the bunch. Yeah, what's so funny? Some people liked her the most because of her weird energy. I thought she just was awkward. I thought yeah, everyone was, a- was doing something different in the movie. Right. Everybody was, and I thought Leslie Jones was the best, and everybody thought she was the worst. It's the way they do these movies now, Stephen. Where these comedies, they say action, and everybody improvs. You yeah. know, write a good, solid script. Have the nice script. Oh hell no! The devil is a liar. If they ad lib some stuff in there, great. If yeah. it works, great. If it doesn't, okay, you've got the original cut. That's the thing. The story wasn't special in any way. It just... No. The power of pain compels you! Ah! I thought I was going to like her the least, honestly. Uh, yeah. I, I, and I, I liked her the most. She was good in that. She did her best, but it, the failings weren't the cast. I really don't think it was the cast. I think it was... Well, I mean, Dan I mean, Edwards was... blaming Paul Feig, so we might as well too, right? <laughs> I mean, like I said... You can blame the cast and the fact that... How they were used by the director. Right, thank you. That's what I... They all were kind of... Like you said, they're all doing their own thing. Yeah. And it they didn't really mesh the way the first group did. You know, Aykroyd, Blue... I, I just think it's interesting <laughs> that Dan Aykroyd would come out and now say... He's... I think he's pissed mainly because he wanted Ghostbusters to keep going. Right. Like, Set up a sequel and another sequel. You know, have a new franchise going. Right. But instead, they spent so much money, they couldn't possibly make a profit from it. So they're not going to want to get into that again. And they did They did a huge marketing campaign with that, you know. Right. Whatever Twinkies and the they brought that drink back, that high C oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Ecto Cooler back. They were trying to get all the, the old fans out of the woodwork and... All of a sudden, like, talk died down. It's almost people didn't want to badmouth the movie. You know, it's an all-female cast. You don't want to be sexist or whatever. So you just didn't say anything. And it was a lot of people not saying much about it. And even we, we were pretty kind to it in that show. We just basically said what we're saying now is that it didn't work. Right. You know? It's and like, uh yeah you had a bunch of individual performances, not a ensemble performance. Right. Now, we were just talking about Wonder Woman, so I have this story from Uproxx, everybody's favorite website. Wonder Woman success leaves Warner's execs gobsmacked and scrambling. And, you know, I've got to read any headline that says gobsmacked. Wonder Woman garnered more critical acclaim in ticket sales than Warner anticipated. Earning 103.3 million, million in its domestic opening compared to the estimates that it would only open to $65 million. Even before that success was inspiring obscene confidence, there were rumors of a sequel. And director Patty Jenkins even spoke about what she has in mind for Wonder Woman 2. Despite all that, it turns out the sequel wasn't yet in development, and Patty Jenkins is not yet on board to direct. Regardless of reports to the contrary, the Hollywood Reporter, who previously said Jenkins was signed for a sequel, now reports she has yet to sign. They also report that Warner's execs may have been caught off guard by the film 
exceeding its opening weekend domestic estimates by a gobsmacking 59%. They used gobsmacking twice. Well, they didn't sign her because they didn't know it was going to be a hit. Right. She was smart not signing on for two because it was a hit, and now she can ask for more money. <laughs> That's what it says right here. That strategy may backfire now as Patty Jenkins can negotiate for a much larger paycheck in light of the film's success. When she was signed for the first movie, her only other feature film was 2003's Monster, for which Charlize Theron earned an Academy Award for Best Actress. Regardless of whether or not a sequel brings Jenkins a monster paycheck, in uh, parentheses, sorry for their joke. This may change the... I like that they apologize for their bad joke. Other writers should do that. <laughs> this may change the trajectory of the DCEU between Wonder Woman being more popular than expected and Batgirl possibly repeating that success with Joss Whedon at the helm. The DCEU may find itself being skewed more towards female superheroes than originally planned, which is cool as long as they aren't all named Martha. Ah, oh, you just had to do another one but um i i you know i i understand that i do think it's cool that women jumped on board they really rooted for wonder woman Mm -hmm. and i'm glad they had a good movie to well see it wasn't like and years ago women in general speaking weren't comic book fans and now in the past well i think the ones that were I think all the women who were into comic books or whatever, they didn't have a voice. Nobody uh, let them hear their voice. Now they're women. They want a movie marketed them. And I think it's smart to get Joss Whedon to do uh, Batgirl because, you know, he's... He's good at that kind of thing. He's a good writer. I believe that. One thing that I liked about Wonder Woman, lots of humor in it. Mm-hmm. it you know, there's some dark moments in it because of World War One and death and stuff. But there's always this sense of humor and adventure in the film that these movies need. Uh, the, the you know, sense of humor, them coming into London, you know, mm-hmm. it's like jolly old London. Yeah. And it's gray and, and she dismal. Goes, uh, it's ugly. And I like when she's <laughs> seeing it's talking and then she goes, a baby. And she wants to go over and yeah. hold the baby. Uh, it was, it was just very cool. I really liked that they DC finally, all right, you has a because their other out, films out of the park hit, you know, yes, home run. Their other films have made money, but as people were walking out of the theater, it they're bummed. forgettable. Yeah, I have this story, and then uh, uh, and there's a reason I'm reading you this story. This is from Deadline Hollywood. This is from March 30th, so it was a while back. But there's a reason I'm giving you this story. Adult Swim greenlights new animated series from Robot Chicken producers and Mondo, okay? Apollo Gauntlet, set to debut in the summer, hails from Canadian animator Miles Langlois. The quarter-hour animated comedy series centers on Paul Cassidy, an ordinary cop who gets transported to a futuristic medieval science society a futuristic medieval society by the evil Dr. Benign. With the help of magic, with with the help of a magic suit, I keep wanting to read forward, but I just, just need just look at what you're reading. With the help of a magic suit and a set of talking gauntlets that might or might not have magical powers, Paul becomes Apollo Gauntlet on a quest to fight evil and Doctor Benign. The series is created by Lang Lewis and produced by Mondo's animation studio Six Point Harness and Mosaic. Okay, then there's science fiction adventure series Hot Streets. 
from animation newcomer Brian Weissel. It's set for premiere on Adult Swim this fall. The quarter-hour animated series revolves around FBI agent Mark Bransky, his partner, his niece, and her dog, who investigates supernatural phenomena. That You can actually watch the pilot on YouTube if you search for Hot Streets. Weissel has worked as a writer on hit shows such as Rick and Morty and Robot Chicken. Executive producers, along with Seth Green, Matt Seinreich, John Harventine IV, and Eric Towner. Justin Royland of Rick and Morty. Hot Streets is produced by Stupid Buddy Studios. I like that thing. Okay, this is the reason I'm uh, bringing this up. Hot Streets. Uh, my brother Nicholas is... Uh, you know, technically my half brother. We have the same father, different mothers. Is that a half sibling? Or half. Whatever? Okay. He's always been into animation. He used to make flash animation. He's made little games. He used to do flash animations on that website called Newgrounds. Okay. And he's had YouTube channels and stuff. I've always known he's been into this in animation, but I haven't seen his stuff in a long time. But my dad says it's he's gotten really good at it. When the Mystery Science Theater Kickstarter happened, one of the uh, rewards Mm -hmm. was if you pay this much, I don't know, was it like $5,000 or something? Some crazy. You get to go to dinner with the cast and meet other writers. uh, Two of those people were Justin Roiland and uh, Dan Harmon of Community and Rick and Morty. Nicholas thought in his head, okay, if I donate this tier i get to go to that dinner i could show them a flash drive of my animation if i do that so he did that and he did get to go and have dinner dinner with them and uh his sister helena filmed it all and what's funny is my dad has seen the video i haven't but they were like oh this is great this is fantastic but she thought they were being overly nice. They were just being like, oh, that's great. You know, your, your animation, it's cute or whatever. But she didn't think, she wasn't sure if they were being genuine or not. But since, it, you know, I was telling my dad, but those guys are geeks. They're animation right. geeks. They're into animation. They probably were, but it just seemed like these guys were getting way too excited for this. So anyway, the guy who created Hot Streets, Brian Weissel, he liked what he saw. And uh, recently he called Nicholas And he started talking to him about animation and talking to him about hot streets and saying how they have to send to foreign countries, the animation he'd like to do it in house, different things like that. This is, you know, my dad's telling me this, so some of it may get lost in the translation, but essentially he said that he really liked what he saw of Nicholas. Could Nicholas fly out and start Monday, which is this Monday. And he said, fly to California, fly to Cal to Burbank, to Burbank, and start working on Hot Streets for Adult Swim. And he said, yes. And he goes, okay, well, I'll see you Monday. And Nicholas said, okay. And he hangs up and he turned to my dad and he goes, okay, how do I get to California? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, "Uh, we need to talk to your mom. We'll get this all figured out or whatever. And so. I'm so happy for him. I'm. It's just crazy. He's basically his dream is to always been was, to work on an Adult Swim cartoon. He was so naive. His idea, ideologically naive. He just thought, I'll just give him this and I'll get hired. Yes. And 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 you don't think it, nothing happens that way. Well, it's funny because my dad did. said Nicholas told me he's going to like 
donate like thousands of dollars to Mystery Science Theater in order to get to go to this dinner to meet people to give him his animation. I was like, that's not a good idea. You're just throwing money away. Right. But Nicholas didn't list him at all. He did it anyway. And he did like I said, it. Was a, it's, a, it's a gamble. It's a crazy, naive way to think about it, but he didn't think of it as being naive. Yeah, he just was like, yeah. I've got a chance. I, he I've get, got a chance as anyone else. He saw what that was in front of him, and he was like, I, this is an opportunity right. for me to show them my work. And he did it, and it actually has paid I mean, off, and he's going to work it, on hot streets was for that Adult any Swim. Di- is that any different than any stand-up comedian quitting their job living hand to mouth, you know, uh-huh. working for 20 years to, you know, to, to get a, a TV show, even a shot at a TV show. Yeah. It's just, I'm so happy. And so that- he did it kind of in a blind way. It's like, I'm just going to give him my thumb drive. They'll look, at, they'll probably never look at it. Yeah. And you said they wanted to look at it right then and there when they hand, kind of handed it to yeah. him, basically. They they watched it in front of him, right. and she was able to film it. And they were like, oh, this is great, and all this stuff. And it's funny that her first instinct was like, mm, they don't really they, like this. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're hamming it up. They're being very nice to him. They're, you know, but how, instead how they were genuinely... He? He's 27. Okay. Um, But he's God, basically... He's <laughs> I know. But I'm genuinely happy for him. I was super happy and excited when I heard about it. That's just fantastic. When somebody achieves something that they've been dreaming about, it's pretty magical. And I sent him a message that I was very super truly happy for him and super excited for him. And he was like, oh, thanks. And uh, I think the last time I saw him is when we saw The Force Awakens. That's probably the last time I saw him. That's the one where he had to find the center seat. (laughs) No, that was uh, Prometheus. Okay. (laughs) That's right. But instead, for uh, Force Awakens, he sat right next to his top row. Very proud of him. But... uh, I'm excited. To, I'm now Hot Streets is on the. Uh, I know what it is now, and I'm going to be waiting for it this fall. I know, you know, the pilot. They already aired the pilot. I guess you sell the pilot, and then it gets picked up. And these are like what fifteen minute cartoons right, or something, right. and it's, it's really it's like goofy. Right along with the Squidbillies and, there, and it's so goofy. Hunger Force. Let me see if I can show this to you just for a second. Just to watch a. And if you guys don't watch Adult Swim, then <laughs> the Squidbillies and. You can buy it for a dollar ninety nine, but there's this weird thing right here. We could see a little bit of it. Hot streets. It's so funny. The dynamic is kind of like. Looks like old. Uh, uh, How are you holding up, Jen? Okay. You. It's kind of like Inspector Gadget. With Penny and her dog Brain, it's the same dynamic, but it's not. It, just listen to when the dog talks; it's hilarious. No, you can stay with me as long as you need. Thanks, Uncle Mark. I still can't believe Mom's gone. You're my last living relative, and I'm not going anywhere. By the way, yesterday I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and I'm gonna die. What? I've got about a week. You'll have to move out when that happens. You'll be homeless. Uncle Mark. I don't have a will, so uh, take my futuristic FBI computer phone. It's pretty cool. Wait, are you investigating brain monsters right now? And you have a brain tumor. Maybe there's a connection. Jen, everybody gets brain tumors eventually. That's life. There has got to be something you can do. I was referred to a surgeon, but I'm kind of busy right now chasing monsters and stuff. Maybe I'll see you later. Now! 
please. I'll take care of it later. All right, all right. I'll visit the brain surgeon. Later. And your phone? I can't. Oh, there's some NSA type programs on that thing. You probably shouldn't use those. Wait. If Uncle Mark dies, I'll be all alone. I get it. You love me. Who cares? You're just a dog. Huh. Pretty dry on brain monster leads. Yeah, maybe we should take a break and get some brain surgery or something. Both driving. <laughs> yes, Doctor Stephen Davis referred me for brain stuff. Agent Berensky, we've been expecting you. Welcome to our facility. I'm Dr. Jane Brainbrook, and I'll be performing your surgery. She's the surgeon? She's beautiful. I think she looks like shit. Well, now that you mention it, she does look like shit. I've cloned a small piece of your cerebellum. It needs to gestate in your neck. There are two surgeries. First, she's going to grow a new piece of brain in your neck. Then she's going to implant it inside your head, replacing the area affected by the tumor. Sounds sketchy. We should get a second opinion. You're just overthinking things again. Let's do it. <laughs> After we talk about anesthetics. Yeah, so I guess we're doing it without anesthetics. All right, that's fine. It'll take 30 <laughs> minutes to gestate. Then we can perform the second surgery. Just one quick question about anesthetics. Don't worry. We'll put you out. <laughs> this is bizarre. This is the clinic I've that diagnosed this one Uncle scene, Mark's though. brain tumor. Let's see if this phone works. Scan criminal database. Stephen Davis, 46, conviction of medical fraud in 2002. Battery, third degree, 2005. Practicing without a medical license in 2006. Hey, Sir what's Jane the big deal? Why are you hologramming me? Get him, Chubby Webbers. <laughs> Get him! Why is the dog doing this? <laughs> but dogs aren't supposed to do this. <laughs> You're not a real doctor. Mark Bransky doesn't have a brain tumor, does he? Does he? Nobody has brain tumors, okay? A lady at the James Newton Science Center pays me for fake referrals. She does experiments or something. Pizza crap out of so that's hot streets. It's bizarre. You haven't seen the rest of it. It's bizarre, but I'm so excited for Nicholas. That's awesome. Well, I've watched Squidbillies. If that isn't bizarre... <laughs> it's like you know, very creative and, and, and irreverent to, humor. I used to watch the uh, uh, Aqua Teen. And Aqua I, Teen I, Hunger I, Force? And I, and I kind of lost... I just say not lost interest. I just forget. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I liked that one. It was kind of wacky like that. Just kind of all over the place. <laughs> Oh, man. I can't wait to see more of that. Congratulations, Nicholas. Can't wait to hear about your experience out there. It's so amazing. Okay. Let's get back to the news. All of this. A Wallstrom has made it, Stephen. Do you know to, what that to means? Hollywood. Yes. That means the ball's going to keep rolling. More <laughs> Wallstroms. I was telling Emma, if a Wallstrom, one Wallstrom could do this, all of them can. Anybody can. Come on. No, he's very talented and I see that talent in Emma, her drawings already, they have like so much life and character to them. It just is exciting. That's one thing you'd say about my dad's children. Like we all have this weird, like 
innate art talent or whatever, some kind of creativity. We all do something creative. Except for Vanessa. Yeah, I don't know what Vanessa does. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Joking. Come on. Vanessa's very musically talented. Uh, um, so, okay. Yeah, Sensei. she played the piano, right? Yes. Vanessa plays the piano. She's very good. Uh, Sense8, the show on Netflix, was canceled. I don't know if you knew this, Stephen. I did. Uh, the Wachowskis did it. It's got a very uh, eclectic cast of people from all races and creeds and sexualities and stuff. People love that about the show. Do they? Yes. <laughs> Are you sure? I think so. And then Netflix went and canceled the show, That's pissing just... off a lot of people. Netflix will not be bringing Sense8 back from the dead. Timeless style. Timeless was a show that got canceled, then brought back. A little more than a week after canceling the ambitious drama, the powers that be at Netflix reached out to grieving Sense8 fans on Facebook to let them know that after crunching the numbers again, they were not able to make the stars align for a third season. That means we- all the actors wanted too much money. <laughs> Well, I, what, the film, the show is sh- uh, shot all over the world in different countries. They spent a lot of money on this show. We've seen the petitions. We've read the message. We know what you want to renew Sense8. The reason we've taken this long to get back to you is because we thought long and hard here at Netflix trying to make it work. But unfortunately, we can't. <laughs> No doubt motivated by NBC's decision to about-face last month and an uncancelled Timeless, Sense8 Acolytes launched numerous campaigns to save Lana and Lily Wachowski's sci-fi drama. Co-star Brian J. Smith assured those same fans that their efforts, even if ultimately unsuccessful, did not go unnoticed. You can all rest easy knowing that even though the show won't continue, you've made a difference, Smith said in a message posted on the Twitters. You put up a good, hell no, a great fight. I will forever consider Sense8 to be a kind of unfinished symphony, a reminder to never take things we love for granted. I'm going to miss the show and I'm going to miss Gorski, his character, but I'm going to, but I'm going forward and I'm never going to be the same. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's always sad when a show you love gets canceled, isn't it? Oh, Steven, the first Black Panther poster is appropriately, appropriately, appro- badass. appropriately badass. I think it looks goofy as hell. His face looks photoshopped on his body. Uh, we're still a few months out from Black Panther's release next February, but Marvel just dropped the first poster for the movie featuring something other than stylized text and it's absolutely glorious the poster doesn't give much detail about the movie itself of course it's him sitting in a throne yeah but it does provide a sense of what we can expect to see from wakanda's royal architecture which interestingly has a very as guardian aesthetic to it t'challa t'challa's throne it's a simple... St- Do they really need to talk about his throne? He's sitting in a friggin' chair, right? Yeah, I can't read any more of this. Looks Steven. like a Stargate circular <laughs> he's, throne. He's in a Stargate uh, chair. That's hilarious. Where's my bomb drop, Steven? There we go. Um, I think there was supposed to be tonight a Black Panther uh, teaser. Yes, uh, uh, during something... 36 minutes ago. Let's watch it. Tell me something. What do you know about Wakanda? 
third world country. Textiles, shepherds, cool outfits, all the front. Explorers have searched for it. Called it El Dorado. They looked for it in South America. But it was in Africa the whole time. I'm the only one who's seen it. And made it out alive. cool to me steven are you got sold the old, got the old didgeridoo, <laughs> the didgeridoo. Like, <laughs> like wait does that sound like a didgeridoo that's australian not african are you gonna go see it steven Why you're gonna not? be with me uh, plane can't be late 11 o'clock at night all right gotta stop my chair from squeaking oh hey ken you're back in the uh the the chat room cool Cool to see you. Okay, here's our next story. The Stranger Things soundtrack cassette contains potentially lethal amounts of 80s nostalgia. That sounds cool. Stranger Things already has multiple soundtrack albums pressed on fancy colored vinyl. I didn't even know this. Packaged with all the extras you'd expect. But if you're looking to experience the sounds of the Netflix hit via a slightly more nostalgic and obscure format, a cassette version will soon be available too. Time to coincide with the anniversary of Stranger Things debut July 14th. Imagine a time one year ago when we didn't know who Barb was or what the eye upside down looked like. The release will feature the delightfully retro synth sounds of Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein of the Austin based band Survive. But you know and love the music already. The big sell here is the packaging. The outer cardboard is designed to look like a VHS slipcase, while the plastic cover looks just like a tape both smaller than actual size, as you can see below. The cassette itself is the same shade Danger Red as the now iconic Stranger Things opening titles. It is really cool packaging, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Look, it looks like a miniature VHS cassette. Urban Outfitters will have the exclusive on this nifty collector's items when it's out July 14th, which gives you plenty of time to track down a cassette player in the meantime. Something to help keep you company until Stranger Things returns on Halloween. Cool. I would have nothing to play it on. I have like a mono cassette player. <laughs> nothing I got one at home. Yeah, I do. I, I, That's weird that I still have one I think I have an old somewhere. Walkman in a drawer. I could listen to it like that, but... 
It's like something you own and stick it on a shelf. Like, look what I got, guys. Yeah, it's not to be played, really. Now, Stephen, E3 is next week. It actually starts tomorrow, the first conference, and I'm excited. I love video games. Uh, it's going to be cool. Tomorrow is EA, Electronic Arts. But uh, the EA, the E3 2017 press conference schedule. That's right, Stephen. So tomorrow... In our time zone, at 2 o'clock, we can watch the EA press conference. Then at 4 o'clock on Sunday, we can watch Microsoft, all the Xbox games coming out, and PC too, because, you know, they're pushing that. Then Bethesda games at 11 p.m. Uh, That's kind of late for me. Okay, then noon will be the PC gaming show on Monday, which is usually a snooze fest. I don't play uh, PC games. 3 p.m. will be Ubisoft, which is awesome. And, you know, they do, like, Watch Dogs and those kind of games. Mm-hmm. Then Sony's big press conference, Steven. What kind of talk, Steven? Sony. Is, is uh, 8 p.m. on Monday. And then morning, Tuesday morning, will be Nintendo Spotlight, where they will talk about their uh, new games coming up. Everybody's hoping for more Mario Odyssey footage but i'm really excited about e3 and you know it's been a tradition to record an e3 show with emma Mm -hmm. for the past three years and i'm really looking forward to doing one with her the only problem is next week she's in drama camp she's uh, she's been very excited she performed in a play last year she performed in a play before she's really gotten into drama she's going to do drama camp she did it last summer um so she's really excited about that so We'll try to find time to record it, and hopefully Bill's available too. But I'm excited about E3. I can't wait to see all of the games that come out. I really like... Uh, I usually watch Easy Allies uh, streams. It's this cool group of guys. They watch it and react to the videos. They get really excited. Like, whoa! You know, it's certain days. TVs too, right? And all that stuff? Different. No, that's the consumer electronic. Consumer, show. okay. See, E3 yes, yes. is all, uh, yeah, video all games. games. Yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of video games, the Sega Genesis is getting a premium feature pack flashback released this year. Awesome. Steven, we both owned Genesis, didn't we? Or did just I? Just you. But you played on it plenty at my house. A premium, uh, a new premium Sega Genesis flashback console from AT Games will be released this September. And the feature list includes some serious improvements from the past product lines. The system comes with 85 games built in, including seven Sonic titles, Virtua Fighter 2, and Altered Beast, as well as a cartridge slot so that you can play most of your Genesis and Mega Drive games. I don't have any of those anymore. <laughs> Two 2.4 gigahertz wireless controllers, not infrared, are included in the box. That's awesome. The flashback also includes standard Genesis ports so you can use your existing wired controllers. The sti- w- did people keep this shit? I got rid of mine. Uh, the system's case You're is designed. You're a fool. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do have, I have my Dreamcast still in a box, and I have the PS2 still in a closet. The system's case is designed to look like the classic console. Console. What's a console, Steven? Console? Yeah. I don't know what that is. It's a console. Instead of using stylized shell that's meant to evoke the Genesis without actually copying it other new features for the sega genesis flashback include 720 hdmi output 
output. That's awesome. 720p. Scan line filtering and save and pause rewind features for every game. These are very welcome upgrades from this past classic console releases, but the company isn't releasing a price for the hardware just yet, and the quality of the built-in emulation will also be unknown until we can get a hand, our hands on the system itself. This being reported by Polygon. I think that's awesome. Yeah, if, you had the Genesis, I had the Super NES. Yes, that's true. If uh, I remember you playing Super Star Wars, Super mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, Super yes. Return of the... Mm-hmm. Those games were hard as hell. But didn't you finish I, all of them? I did finish them all. I think <laughs> there was a... That's awesome. There was a, something that talked about those three games that said, if you finish these, then they're the, you're insane. <laughs> yeah. So these, okay. Now, I didn't finish them on Jedi level. Then... I think oh, I, yeah. there was... Because the they were even harder. Easy... Was e- and it was easy, medium, hard than Jedi. I think you played on medium. Medium, and I I got through the Those first. Are so hard. I think I got through the first one on hard. I remember I would play it and go. I just hand you the controller. You you take over. And say I can't do this. The, the one that was the hard. I remember you handed it to me on the Jawa, the the sand crawler. Because <laughs> so you had to hard. hop and jump around and land yeah. on the little ledges. Oh my god! It's the most frustrating <laughs> game. Those games are so frustrating. I this story when I saw it, I thought of you, Stephen. This next story. <laughs> oh yeah. You ready? Okay. This is back in our video game days. Okay. Bubsy, uh-oh, <laughs> the Wooly Strike Back announced. Now you remember Bubsy the Bobcat, Steven? Yeah, we rented that from Blockbuster and played Bubsy the, the Bobcat. Remember he would say little things. He would go, "Whatever blows your hair back," yeah. and I'd be like, "Is he doing a Christian Slater impression? What is he?" The classic Lynx mascot. First of all, uh, how long ago? Uh, it says from the nineties, but. It hit early 90s. That was on the Genesis we played that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The classic Lynx mascot from the 1990s is making a comeback with Bubsy, the Wooly Strike Back, on PC and PlayStation 4. The pl- platforming game will feature UFO bosses and over 100 new one-liners for Bubsy. Oh. <laughs> It'll be the first original game in the series since Bubsy 3D released back in 1996. By the way, Bubsy 3D... Well-renowned as a horrible game. Uh, the Accolade game brand is returning as well with Bubsy, the Wooly Strike Back. The game utilizes the Havoc game engine created by Black Forest, who made G- Guiana Sisters' Twisted Dream. Bubsy, the Wooly Strike Back, is planned to release this September. Dude, that is awesome. It's probably going to be like 20 bucks or something, right? No. Bubsy. <laughs> We're going to stream that on Twitch, Steven. We're going to play that together. It's going to be awesome. Um, here's another. I just thought I'd throw in another video game announcement. We're going to have a lot next week. But Konami is discussing bringing Castlevania to the Nintendo Switch. Konami is discussing whether or not bringing Castlevania to the Nintendo Switch. Why do they do that? Look, here's the headline. The headline. First line right here. In an interview with Nintendo 64... You know who that is, right? Mictendo? European brand manager Richard Jones confirmed that there'd been lots of internal discussions at Konami to ascertain what games the publisher can bring to the Nintendo Switch. All I can say is that there is lots of internal discussions going on within Konami regarding what games 
we can bring to the Nintendo Switch other than Bomberman, a game which we are well aware of its heritage and how loved it is and Castlevania is. So much that Castlevania is getting its own Netflix show, and because of that, we're hearing a lot of desires from our fans for a new Castlevania series. So we need, we do know that there is a demand for a new game, but right now, nothing is set in stone as the discussions are still ongoing. So there's no news here. We're just repeating something that because people like it. Exactly. Netflix recently announced a Castlevania animated series, which will be coming to the streaming series service later this year. Netflix website lists the series as a four-part season, which each episode running approximately 30 minutes. Uh, I saw the trailer to it. It looks pretty cool. Steven, you and I saw Chappie in the theater. Yes, we did. Um, in fact, I owned Chappie when we got my PlayStation 4. That was the freebie movie with for, it? For uh, Father's Day, it came with a free copy of Chappie, which I haven't opened yet because I've seen it in the theater, but I should probably open it. But listen to this. Chappie director says, response to flop was unbelievably painful. Oh, no. Neil. Neil Blomkamp still feels bad about the negative reception. Just a few years ago, coming off the unexpected breakthrough success of District 9, Neil Blomkamp seemed like one of the hottest young directors in Hollywood. Unfortunately, some of his recent movies haven't fared as well. For instance... 2015's Chappie stumbled at the box office and inspired mostly negative reviews. EW called it dull in a C review. Now in an interview with Den of Geek, Blondkamp said that he took those criticisms hard. Chappie was unbelievably painful to me, Blondkamp said. That was difficult on several levels, but the thing with Chappie was, it felt like it was extremely close to the film I had in my head. Up until the film came out, I felt like I had given it my all, and that I tried my hardest to make the film I had in my head, and I felt like I had achieved that. Elsewhere in the interview, Blancop adds that negative reception of Chappie definitely hurt several parts of my career, I think. Earlier this week in an interview with The Verge, Blancop confirmed that his long-awaited Alien sequel is totally dead. That's, uh... Ridley Scott's fault, by the way. And by the way, I haven't seen Alien uh, Covenant. Covenant, but you saw it. Mm -hmm. What did you think of it? <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. I've I've heard a lot of like kind of. Have you seen it before and seen it much better? Yeah, I mean, did you like per Prometheus? It was okay. I mean, I, I was very was disappointed like, by Prometheus. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, is it rewatchable? Not really. Would, could you see? Do you think I would enjoy Alien Covenant? Or would I be like shitting on it? Probably. <laughs> I'm gonna say you'll think about maybe a little more. Think about it being a little better than Prometheus. Okay. What about the alien action? Was it a little too CGI? This time, or because it looked that way in the commercials, I haven't seen the film, so I don't know. Maybe they it looks better in on the big screen, or like it was like uh, I how to how to say it. Um, Do you ever want to see this film again? Maybe on HBO or something down the line. You know, yeah, it's it's I... it wasn't what I expected. Mm -hmm. I mean. 
did Ridley Scott try to go full horror at points? No. Or no? It was, at, at one point, I mean, it's like, it didn't happen till the end, you know, it did it. It drew it out a little too much. Did it take way too long to get to the aliens? Right. The xenomorphs? Yes. And then when it did, it was not that intriguing? Or Right. For me, it wasn't. It was just kind of like, when the movie ended, did you just feel empty inside? I was just like, okay. Yeah, I... Did, were you like, can't wait to see more of that is, with a sequel? Is there, I mean, is it... Because essentially they're kind of showing the... That, my problem with the way Prometheus the, the, is they the, were answering questions that I wasn't asking. They Essentially this is kind of filling in the blanks of that too between a, between Prometheus. Prometheus and Aliens. It's like... Did you want that gap cause, filled? Because <laughs> the aliens are, are evolving. Right. Essentially. And I will say... And, and they're evolving with help. And I'm not uh, saying anymore. Like the monolith in 2001. So you figure, you know, that it's, it, it, it they, how to, how to not say it without Just say it sucks, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. not saying it sucked. Well, but... you know what? We'll find out what some other people <laughs> thought of it on Let's Read Rotten Tomatoes, Steven. What do you say about that, huh? Let's do some Rotten Let's do Rotten Tomatoes. tomatoes. By the way, Neil Blancamp feel better buddy i we like your films Chappie. yeah Chappie is a fun movie and by the way i think your alien movie would have been great but ridley scott got your shit killed by announcing he's gonna make five of these alien movies are you looking forward to seeing all five steven no <laughs> i mean am i looking forward to it i'll see him but i'm yeah. not looking forward I actually it came and went what was i doing oh emma was performing in her right. play on friday and saturday so on the alien covenant weekend and i was like i'm not gonna go see this on sunday and then go take her to school on uh, monday morning me and melissa went and saw it at the uh movie tavern okay and so i was just like okay we'll just go see it you know and now it's too late. It's not. It's probably going to be in the. I mean, I didn't see it in 3D theaters. or anything. Mm-hmm. Was it? I don't even know if it was in 3D. I think it or was. Not. I think Prometheus was. I know that. Okay, so, Stephen. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just say so. Yep, that's what we did. That's it. Duh, you're making me really excited to see it. Let's check out. Let's read Rotten Tomatoes. That doesn't make sense. Let's check out. Let's read Rotten Tomatoes. Doesn't make any sense at all. Stephen, how about we check out? How about Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> Stephen, let's play this. Clip. Play, okay. the music. Play the music. You say either. I say either. You say neither. And I say neither. Either, either, and either, neither. And let's call the whole thing off. Yes, you like potato. And I like potato. You like tomato. I like tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. I like spelled tomato juice. Oh, dear. Okay, let's read Rotten Tomatoes, everybody. And this is going back a ways, but I was curious to uh, see what Alien Covenant was rated at on Rotten Tomatoes, averaging uh, reviews counted 285 fresh, 202, Rotten 83, 71% fresh. Not bad, right? 
I I mean, Drew McWeeny was very underwhelmed, as were several other people. Let's read what Amy Nicholson of MTV says. Yet again, a crew sniffs after a mysterious ping and sticks their nose in a deadly larva pod. Are our astronauts learning? God, no. And if the audience expected a different plot, we're not learning either. Rating C. (laughs) You think she's had enough of these movies, Stephen? Richard Brody of The New Yorker said, In space, no one can hear you laugh. (laughs) Oh, Stephen. Well, I guess everybody was thinking, what's his name? Uh, Was going to be the, you know... Ridley Scott would no, bring no, it no, back. Oh No, uh, the actor. Danny McBride. Danny McBride was going to bring the funny and he to didn't. it. No. His character was... Oh, dear. Well, Guy Lodge of Newsweek says, as redesigns go, Alien Covenant is not ambitious, but is roaringly, repulsively effective. Okay. I don't even know what that means. I don't understand that. Christopher Orr of The Atlantic says, this may not be a movie that reinvents the wheel. But it's one that knows how to make it roll. Uh, your critic license revoked. Yes. Allison Wilmore says of BuzzFeed News, It's an alien movie for our times. One in which mankind isn't just under the thumb of an oppressive corporation, but sowing the seeds of its own destruction on a more sweeping scale. Okay, honey. Spent too much time studying literature in college. Right, Stephen? Can I? Can we start our own site to review reviewers? <laughs> yeah, we, we're critic critics. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Ruben Safaya of Cinemalog.com says, Scott seems to be peppering us with bits of mythology, like the interesting clues that lead nowhere in television series like Lost. In the end, they're all dead anyway. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one, Stephen. Well. All right. Jay Olson says of Cinema Mixtape or Cinema Mixtape, moviegoers on the hunt for an alien fix will get it. Even if the picture never quite reconciles its awkward place between prequel and sequel. Let's see. Ken said, please do the mummy. Uh, You, you bet, Ken. I'm going to do the mummy here in a second. John (laughs) Beefus Beefus, that's a cool name, of Commercial Appeal says, The splattery violence which reduces humanity to meat and reproduction to a survival instinct enacts a blunt rebuttal to the idea that science and art, Ozymandias, and even John Denver are referenced, offer humankind an opportunity for immorality. Immorality or immortality? It says immorality. I I don't understand, but is this a good review or are you just confused? I'm confused by that. Felix Vasquez Jr. says, Director Ridley Scott once again wades in dull philosophy and cheap fan service that lends weight to the fact that there is nowhere left to go with this series. He can kiss my ass. Wow, Felix. Radio. <laughs> That's my Felix the Cat, Stephen. I know you're Felix the Cat. You've done it many times. (laughs) Dylan Walker of Film Inquiry says, It is exceedingly difficult to recommend Alien Covenant. The inert dialogue and... um, Fatuous. 
fatuous narrative leave the film feeling rather redundant. Thank you so much, Google, for helping me out there. Jorge Rivera Rubio of Movie Network says, it's close enough, right? Mm-hmm. The film's biggest advantage is being part of a franchise that has reached ridiculously low levels. So by being entertaining and having decent moments is among the best that has been done. Oh, he's got a point there, you know? All most of the alien movies have sucked ass, so hey, this one's not as bad, you know? Right. Paul Chambers says the great ideas being kicked around in Prometheus are nowhere to be found in Ridley Scott's disappointing follow-up. I give it a C minus. Prometheus was a great idea. Well, I know. Steven, a certain movie called The Mummy opened up this week starring Tom Cruise. And you know Tom. He is a superstar. Am I right? He is. You're glib. You don't even know what Ridlin is. Excuse me? Steven, what, what, were you... Uh, I uh, was having a conversation with Tom earlier about Ritalin. I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> okay, reviews counted 180. 32 fresh, 148 rotten. <laughs> oh, wow. 18% rotten. Even the audience score, usually the audience score, even if the critics hate it and the audience, audience like likes it, it it's kicked over bucket of popcorn. 47% liked it. That's not good, Stephen. Tom Cruise headlines a spectacular, all-new cinematic version of the legend that has fascinated cultures all over the world since the dawn of civilization, the mummy. Thought safely entombed in a tomb, entombed in a tomb deep beneath the unforgiving desert, an ancient princess, played by so- Sophia Butella of the Kingsman, whose destiny was unjustly taken from her, is awakened in our current day, bringing with her malevolence grown over millennia and tears that defy human comprehension. From the sweeping sands of the Middle East, through hidden labyrinths under, mo- under modern-day London, the mu- holy crap, look how much information this is, the mummy brings a surprisingly intense, surprising intensity and balance of wonder and thrills and an imaginative new take that ushers in a new world of gods and monsters. Cruz is joined by a cast including Annabelle Wallace and Jake Johnson and Courtney B. Vance, not to mention Oscar winner Russell Crowe. All right, let's check it out, Stephen. This movie is directed by Alex Kurtzman, by the way. Yee. All right, here we go. Thelma Adams of the New York Observer says... You only have to watch the trailer to know that producer-director Alex Kurtzman's reboot of Brendan Fraser's once charming mummy movies is full of embalming fluid. <laughs> That's a good one. Allison Wilmore, remember her from the Alien oh, Review? Uh-huh, uh-huh. The Mummy promises a fantastical world of supernatural beings colliding and collaborating, forgetting that if no one cares about any one of these beings in particular, they're not going to be sold on seeing them together either. Ooh. Matthew Lacona of the San Diego Reader says, I was curious enough about Universal's decision to exhume its classic monsters to hold on to until the zombie crusader frogmen start swimming after immoral but maybe redeemable soldier of fortune Tom Cruise. I, he's totally lost me. No one would blame you for checking out sooner a one out of five. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, Tom Cruise is laughing all the way to the bank, Steven. Yeah. 
Kate Taylor of Globe and Mail says, The movie itself is rather like the Hollywood mummies of old. There it walks, lurching from side to side on rigid legs, deadly in its intent but uncertain of the right path, trailing bandages as it goes, a 1.5 out of 4. Yeesh! Not good. David Edelstein, that's the dick who gave a bad review to Wonder Woman, right? Pissed everybody off. It has been made with skill and hits its marks, but the girl who plays the mummy is so sexy, it overcomes... Oh my god, what a sexist piece of crap! Can you believe he said that? He wishes those bandages would have come off a lot sooner, if you know what I mean, hubba hubba. Oh my god. Unbelievable. Dirty bastard. Nestor Bertone <laughs> says the Dark Universe kickoff is not up to the level of previous expectations, much less does justice to the career of that Hollywood star that is Cruz. I don't even know what you're talking about. Let's see what uh, Alejandro Eleman of El Universal says. Uh, I don't think I said that right. So. The Dark Universe looks more like a cheeky adaptation. Wait, wait, wait. The Dark Universe. Is that what the Universal movie monster movies so. are called? The Dark Universe? I had no idea. I neither. Uh, okay, The Dark Universe looks more like a cheeky adaptation of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The best thing that can happen with the film is that the distributor realizes that making universes is a bad idea. <laughs> oh, wait, this guy liked it. Steve Persall of Tampa Bay Times. While The Mummy isn't the Big Bang preferred to start the Dark Universe of classic monsters, everybody's saying Dark Universe. I didn't know. I'm learning. It's serviceable. Popcorn flick dangling hints of promising things to come. Oh, okay. It's a popcorn flick, he says. Yeah. Nell Minow says, A plane crash scene is viscerally exciting. It steps up the movie's funniest line later on, but it cannot make its mind up whether it wants to be an adventure, horror, or camp. She gave it a good review. She still sounds like... Let's see what some of the uh, viewers, regular people, aren't critics. This guy says, Thomas Drufke says this. Holy shit, I can't read this. Yeah, that's... I'll read one Keep it paragraph. Brief, dude. We now live in a world where a movie about Aunt May was considered as a Spider-Man spinoff by Sony at one point, as just about every studio is desperate to create their own shared cinematic universe. Universal's Dark Universe, even this guy knew about it, Steven. Jeez. Sounded like a fascinating idea, and to some extent, it still does. But The Mummy is definitely nowhere near the opening act Universal hoped for when it decided to kick off this series a few years ago. The Mummy actually has far more scares than I thought, but also far fewer high-octane action scenes than one would come to expect from a Tom Cruise-led film. He gives it a 5 out of 10 and calls it dull. Wow. Not good. Film Crazy says... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, you know, did I tell you the best thing about the the Alien Covenant? What's that? Was my margarita drink I had. (laughs) The drink you had at the movie grill? (laughs) Did you have any nachos or anything? I I had popcorn in my sangria margarita. You know what? Um, At the Alamo Draft House, it's like the movie grill, only better. They make these little alcoves where the people, wait staff, can walk in where they don't 
balk the screen in any way. Right. And they're down beneath the table, and they go, hey, can uh, do you want some more popcorn? Or do you want a refill on the popcorn? Hey, you want a refill on the Diet Coke? But they, the lady comes to you. She goes, um, I'm just going to ask you, would you like refills to your drink during the movie? Because we won't bother you. We'll just fill it up. And you go, yes. And we'll bring you some more popcorn. The popcorn had, like, real butter on mm-hmm. it. And it was so good. Heather got, I think she got nachos. So there's not going to be an Alamo. There's not an Alamo draft house in Fort Worth. Or there's Arlington. just Richardson's the closest one. They need some over here because it was pretty awesome. Their one thing is no 3D movies. It's all 2D movies, which well, is interesting. I mean, that's fine because I don't really want to be distracted while I'm eating. You know, mm-hmm. I, like I don't the want fact- the f- the food to distract me from the movie. What's funny is I'm watching the movie and I see like my a hand come up, take my coat, <laughs> and then all of a sudden a new coat going there. It's like, it's like Thing from yeah, the Adams Family just... <laughs> bringing me a drink. It's so funny. But I love it that they don't bother you at all. Sorry, I just had to segue. The no, that part. was good. Luke, Luke Andrews, who's a super reviewer on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, he says, The Mummy is a remake of a remake and the attempted start to a franchise. Universal are calling it the Dark Universe. What? Universe. Why didn't we get this memo, Steven? This got destroyed by critics, some calling it Tom Cruise's worst film, to which I say, did you watch Night and Day? <laughs> that's a good one. All right. All right. That's enough of The Mummy. It basically is not doing too good, Steven. HBO? Guess I'm not going to see it. Yeah, I totally would have. If that had in the 80 percentile or something, I probably would have said, Hey, Steve, you want to go see the mummy? <laughs> but actually the trailers didn't look that interesting. And what's funny is the you first, you want to see it just because of the scream. Ah! Ah! <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. You just reminded me. I got to see the movie now, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> How did I forget about that scream? I want to see the movie now. <laughs> i love it oh by the way baywatch came out 20 percent rotten better reviewed than the mummy <laughs> just that got universally panned better review than the mummy diary of a wimpy kid 19 percent rotten better reviewed than the mummy but you can't compare them come on right right uh, let's see. Cars 3 comes out on the 16th, uh, 47 meters down. That shark movie? Nuh-uh. You, oh, 47 meters down? Have yeah. you seen the trailer to that? Yeah. Or, I'm like, hell no, I'm not seeing well, I that. I saw The Shallows. Was that you know, good? I'm a shark guy. I like shark yeah. stuff. Well, well, 47 I'm meters down. I'm going to go see it. Oh, yeah, I would love to see it. Again, I'm, it's sharks. I'm in. I know, but it looks scary. <laughs> I'm scared. I mean, on, I'm a Jaws guy. I know. I love Jaws. It's so funny. Uh, I mean, I've watched all the Jaws. Even they were terrible. I watched them. I'm so scared, baby. Me too. I'm very scared. Uh, let's see. What else? It comes at night. Ooh, this looks good it's and scary. scary. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. Imagine the end of the world. Now imagine something worse. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> worse than the end of the world? That reminded me of something else. Okay, wait. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Imagine the end of the world. Now imagine something worse. Oh, my word. I know, exactly. <laughs> Award-winning filmmaker Trey Edward Schultz follow his incredible feature debut of Krisha with... Is it Krisha? Krisha? 
with It Comes at Night, a horror film following a man, Joel Edgerton, as he learns that evil stalking his family home may be the only a prelude to the horrors that come from within. Secure within a desolate home as an unnatural threat terrorizes the world, the tenuous domestic order he has established with his wife and son is put to the ultimate test with the arrival of a desperate young family seeking refuge. Despite the best intentions of both families, paranoia and mistrust boil over as the horrors outside creep ever closer, awakening something hidden and monstrous within him as he learns that the protection of his family comes at the cost of his soul. Oh, my word! No, I know. It sounds <laughs> scary, Stephen. Oh. By the way, 86% fresh. 114 reviews counted. 98 fresh. 16 rotten by the way some spittle flew out of my mouth when i said that brad wheeler of globe and mail says scored intensely and photographed vividly the electric film imagines a small slice of doomsday with horrific believability 3.5 out of 4 Ooh. dave white says of the rap it's not a sexy apocalypse with a disease that transforms everyone into really cool zombies it's just death and it's not an easily managed doomsday prepper scenario solved by bulk foods from jim baker infomercials it's just doom okay what huh uh adam graham of detroit news says midway through it comes at night you might wonder where it's headed and it seems schultz may have asked himself that same question it's just doom It's a breathless thriller that will leave you gasping until it finally runs out of air itself. Oh, and my it's, word! It's just doom. That guy didn't like it, C+. But Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle says, in the absence of such answers, or the intim- intimation of such answers, or even characters in pursuit of answers, it comes at night begins to seem thin, a torment. A torment. A torment. A torment with purpose. Why can't I get this through, Stephen? A torment with without purpose. A one out of four. He did not like it. He Dan- doesn't like scary movies. Dana Stevens of Slate says, Spare, but savage horror movie. Oh, okay. A.O. Scott. Short and sweet. A.O. Scott of New York Times says, Mr. Schultz doesn't jolt the audience with false cares or showy plot twists. He builds up the dread with ruthless efficiency and minimal gimmickery, relying on and refreshing some of the oldest techniques in the book. Oh my god. <laughs> that just popped out of me. What the hell? That was, that was doom. That doom. <laughs> Cheers the fox dog on the temple of doom. Okay. Uh, one more. Bill Clark from the balcony says, It comes at night as a relentlessly bleak exercise in paranoia and distrust that taps into the some of the deepest fears within the human condition. I loved it and I took all my children. Rated B. Should he have taken his kids to that? Probably not. How old were they? <laughs> Three, four, and five. Sweet. Yeah. Well, Randall King. Teach them young about doom. <laughs> Randall King of the Winnipeg Free Press says, The solid cast acts accordingly with young Harrison distinguishing himself as a young man whose awkwardness 
is alternately endearing and alarming. I give it a 3.5 out of 5. I don't know who you're talking about, dude, but that sounds awesome. Well, it's well-reviewed. That might be good mm-hmm. to see. But I'm scared, Steven. I don't, want to... I don't know if I want to see that. What do you think? I think it scares me, Jason. I know. It scares me, too. Mm. Well, guys, that's all I have from Let's Read Rotten Tomatoes. I think I'm going to wait a while to see uh, what's the next big film that comes out, Stephen. Is it Spider-Man? Spider-Man's? Is it Spider-Man? Let's see. June. Uh, we already determined Cars 3. Cars movies give me the creeps. Where did all the humans go? Who built the cars? Who built all the structures in that universe? I don't know. Rough Night with Scarlett Johansson, Crazy Women, and Wild Night. No interest. Yeah, I, I know yeah. that's. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it on cable. Uh, you know. Yeah. Forty meters, forty-seven meters down. Yep, forty-seven meters down on June sixteenth. Stephen, you'll be going to see that. You tell me how it is, because I'm too scared to see it. I saw a trailer to the Big Sick, uh, Kamel Najani's movie. It looks good. It looks good. It looks funny. And that's all that I uh, have. Really, is that... Uh, Despicable am I... Me 3. Spider-Man Homecoming comes out July 7th. I'm on vacation, I think, that week, so... Nice! We're definitely going to... You know what? Atomic Bond, July 28th. Can't wait for that. Um, when does um, uh, Baby Driver come out? Oh, yeah. Baby driver. Because I mean, they've got the, been advertising forever. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Bill about uh, Baby Driver, and like, I don't really like the title. I hate saying Baby Driver. It comes out June twenty eighth, so it comes out this month. We're definitely gonna go see that shit. It's already got some reviews up. Not many people have reviewed it. It's got twenty three fresh reviews, one hundred percent. 23, that's a good number, and they're all 100%. Let's go ahead and read one of them. Peter DeBruge of Variety says, Like all of Edgar Wright's movies, Baby Driver is a blast, featuring wall-to-wall music and a sure felt of... And a sure... uh, Surfeit. And a surfeit of inspired ideas. But it's also something of a mess. Uh-oh. Whoa, and it trails off with an ellipsis there. Dare I click and read the rest, or should we just make up our minds? Let the movie come to us, right, Stephen? Yes. Scott Menzel, one more. Baby Driver proves once again that Edgar Wright is a creative genius and can take on any genre and knock it out of the park. 8.5 out of 10. Wow, look at that guy's review meter. That's crazy. I'm seeing a lot of really good reviews here, Stephen. They're all uh, positive. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to see that. Baby Driver. All right, Stephen, that was Let's Read Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, it was. Woohoo! Oh, by the way, I didn't read any Wonder Womans, but uh, that is doing fantastic. 93% fresh. 262 fresh reviews. 21 rotten. It, uh, the first rotten one, not enough cleavage. Yeah. What? Joseph, Josephine <laughs> Livingstone said, beauty, strength, goodness, bravery. These are your values. And here is how your values must look. Wow. Okay. Leah Pickett says Jenkins tries not only include men and wonder woman side, but also make male viewers feel better about a woman saving them. Three out of four. 
Thelma Adams says, hey, we saw her on another one. Wonder Woman embraces issues of female power and the need to turn from hate to love, war to peace in a mainstream delivery system. And the female lead is not not solely a mother, sister, girlfriend, or hooker. However, gold her heart. Wonder of wonders. How do you know she wasn't a hooker? (laughs) Steven! Wonder Woman is not a hooker! That's not canon! Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, guys, that's... Let's read Rotten Tomatoes! Thank you! Good night! Here all week, try the veal. And... Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. It's so much fun to get back together with you, Stephen, and do an ETL news. How much fun was it when we did that uh, Nowhere in Mulberry episode? Wasn't that cool? Oh, yeah, it was fun. Super long. Uh, I want to try to get with uh, Bill and do another one of those eventually. I, You know, the reason, whole reason we had to change up and stop doing shows like that is because they took a lot of work, a lot of time. And Bill's went back to school, so yeah. they cut his time to be able to do stuff. But, I, like, I, I told him that, and just let me know beforehand, like, what days out of this month can you do a show, and we'll plan something special. And that's what we're going to work towards. So, I hope you guys loved that return to uh, Nowhere in Mulberry. School. And in fact, I have a few announcements to make. I know if you guys heard that special uh, kind of an excerpt from a commentary I did, I did a commentary to Darkman, right? much in the same vein as the way I do the Chuck series companion, where I play the show, but I also comment while you're listening to the show go on. I watch Darkman. You can hear the movie playing while I'm talking about it. It, it was a lot of fun. I want to do that for my top 10 favorite films. That was number one. So uh, keeping them secret until? Yeah. I've kind of I mean, got an idea of the second one, but I'm not ready to say yet. Right, right. Uh, in case I change my mind at the last minute. But another thing is... Because uh, I'll assume uh, Terminator's in the top 10. Possibly. Possibly. But another thing is... I wanted this to, I want to entice people to become patrons with this. Mm-hmm. So you have to be a patron in order to hear this. So you give them some that you, they know you love, but you yes. keep a couple secret that they don't know you right. love. I'll, I will say I this. Mean, Terminator is one of my top 10 favorite films. Yeah. I will say that. I don't, I'm not telling you if it's coming next, but I am right. saying it is on my top 10. I mean, um, I mean so, just, just a ridiculous <laughs> title. Just saying that it's not one of your top 10, but... right. And I even explained what, what's a what's a goofy movie that you would say is not your top ten, but it would be like a secret movie you like. Yeah, and these these aren't even going to be like uh, oh he's got to have some Kubrick in there, right? These are films that are special to me, and they might n- not just be my favorite movie. They might, for nostalgic reasons, be something that is special to me. Uh, something near and dear to my heart. I may have a personal story included with the movie, and that's why it's one I mean, of my like favorite Star movies. Like Starman. I know Starman. <laughs> Starman, love yes. Starman. Starman. Uh, I give you baby. That's a, <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> but there that's... may be a John Carpenter movie in the list, Stephen. That's all I'll say. 
Um, but another thing that was to entice people to become a patron for $5 or more. You will get those before, uh, before anyone else. I will release that dark man episode on the feed June of 2018. Basically it will be a patron only thing for a year. And you're, I know what you're, you know, it's like, why just release it to everybody. It's my, it's an idea. I don't know. It'll probably backfire. I don't know. I'm just trying to get more people to become patrons. Basically. <laughs> Another thing that I've been working on, by the way, I had a lot of fun doing that. I hope you guys liked it. If you listen to the dark man commentary, please tell me because when I put a lot of work into something and I hear nothing back, I slip into a depression. I'm not kidding. I do. The only way to get out of the depression is to keep working on something else. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I was like, I'm going to finish the archive. And right. I have, I finished the nowhere in Mulberry archive. It has every single nowhere in Mulberry entertainment landfill episode in the archive, not just regular episodes, all the weird little things we did after the shows, the 24 DVD companion, the lost DVD companion of season two, the, every the but, relatively new after movie thoughts. It's, yeah, it's got. OK, listen to this. Nim movie minis, commentaries of the Star Wars movies, prequels. You know, we did Lethal Weapon three. Uh, Ken Preventure, I'm listening to the Darkman commentary now. You're listening to it during this show? What the heck, Ken? No, but that's Ken. awesome, Ken. Please tell me what you think of it. Um, we've got commentaries. We've got the time Bill and I were interviewed on the live test show. Boom, that's there. Uh, the time Bill and I actually did the live test show, we hosted it twice for Antibert. Those are there. Uh, Bill made two promos for us on Talk Radio X. They're hilarious. Those are on there. Uh, one time, Bill and I did a segment for a Heroes podcast called The Ninth. We did a little segment about code names, like what would we name each of the hero characters if they were like the X-Men? Right. That's available. All of everything we've ever done is available in this archive. Uh, I worked hours putting this on here. Uh, if you look at it right now... Every episode tells you... His fingertips are bleeding right now from all the typing. <laughs> it tells you the day and the date that they were released. And certain shows, they may have a special distinction, like the first ever... This episode is The Birth of Eugene, episode 14, released Tuesday, <laughs> December 6, 2005. Okay? Um, I miss Eugene. Our first, you know, I'll tell you, our first ever live show, our last ever Talk Radio X show, or, or something like that. I, You know, all sorts of, any details I can think of. And in fact, every lunchtime show we ever did on Talk Radio, Radio X is available. And what's funny is even some of those, I had no show notes for them. I still love the Talks Radio X when they just berated the dude after us with the knives and stabbing weapons. Yeah, Toby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's an episode of the Lunchtime Show. show, was it? (laughs) Yeah. There's an episode of the Lunchtime Show where Bill didn't show up and I was by myself. And I wasn't used to doing solo shows. I was like, hey, anybody want to call me right now? (laughs) Help me out. And Toby... That guy who did that show, he's like, oh, hey, Jason, what's going on? You know, and he tells me this hilarious story. He goes, there's this girl who played Minecraft, uh, or not Minecraft. There's this girl who played World of Warcraft, and 
she had pictures of herself on social media where her foot was never showing. Like you see her whole body, but one of her feet is never showing. Somebody figured out she only had like two toes on one foot. Her foot was deformed. They said she had a camel toe, like a real camel toe. I'm not talking, you know what I'm talking about? I was like, yeah, I got what you're talking about, Toby. So they started chasing her around and calling her names in World of Warcraft and the game. So she quit. And there's a pause, and I'm like, and is that the whole story? Or <laughs> he, just, he called and told me this weird story like that. It was like so sad and weird, and I was like, all right, thanks a lot, Toby. Uh, Bill, could you please call into the show? <laughs> so there's tidbits like that, guys. When I look at this, look at this, Stephen. The episodes go on forever. Since 2005. So when you hear camel toe now, you think of Toby. <laughs> yeah, Toby. And some drink, some woman with a deformed foot. There are episodes on here where we all got along famously, where we we're well-oiled machine. When Vanessa's on the show, we're laughing, having a good time. There were times we didn't get along where Vanessa and Bill fought, or there were times it was so awkward where I either would have to just keep trying to go on with the show, or I'd have to defend Vanessa against Bill or play peacemaker. It was really hard sometimes. <laughs> There is one thing that I didn't put on this because I didn't know where where it fit in really. But and it also makes me I don't know. I want to play it for you guys right now. This isn't in the archive. This is the only place you'll get it. And the file is called Bill pissing Vanessa off. <laughs> so Vanessa is doing the news on the show. This clip is from November 25th, 2007. So our show was a couple of years old at that point. And Vanessa's reading this tragic story when Bill can't help but chime in. Let's check this out. This is something you will get nowhere else, Stephen. What led to the killings? And her priest said Sunday... Wow, what a cherry on top. (laughs) Paula Elazar Mendez, 43, was in a county jail (laughs) to be treated at a hospital for swallowing a toxic substance. She had collapsed <laughs> officers arrived at her home Saturday morning in response to a telephone call from the children's father in New York. Inside the home, the officers found the bodies of the children, ages six to eight, lying side by side on a bed. Holy I do not, shit! I do not believe there's any dispute as to who killed the children. However, we have not determined at this time the particular homicide charge or punishment we will be seeking. How, uh, come on, what else can you do? It's, they, she murdered him. Jesus Christ, Vanessa, we're doing a pop culture podcast, and you're reading news stories about a woman that drowned her children. Obviously, you didn't listen. She smoked She suffocated them. Oh, I'm sorry. She suffocated them. The kids are dead. Don't read. Struggling. What? Maybe she didn't mean to. Oh, yeah. She did it in an entertaining way. <laughs> Two shit hoes. <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh, oh, please continue. I gotta hear the end of this one. I already close it out. Was that with, it with the news, Vanessa? Yep. Don't get angry, Vanessa. I'm just saying, man, this is the most depressing story ever. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. We did a story about how a bus explodes with a bunch of people on it. That's funny, but this is something we can't do a serious story at all. They're children! The woman suffocated three of her children for I know. 
Eight. No, it's an important story. This isn't an important podcast. Story. <laughs> Don't do some news podcast. We're talking about Kevin Federline and his music, for Christ's sake. We're not talking about women that kill their children. Popozal? <laughs> I'm just saying, a little lighter in the news fair, please. His purple satin butt pants? Yeah, that's much better. <laughs> purple satin butt pants. <laughs> His I'm purple satin butt pants. It's a little depressing. <laughs> oh my god. Now, I know where Bill's coming from, and I know where you're coming from, too, Vanessa. Peacemaker. Okay, there's just a better way to approach it. <laughs> what is that? Well, how, how do I approach a story on a, on a pop culture podcast about a woman killing her children? How do I do that? Well, I mean, there's a better way to ask me to change it. Ooh. I'm not asking you to change it. What I'm asking you is to pick something a little lighter. I mean, you used to do stories that were stupid, like, uh, uh, you know, famous people and their gossip. But, I mean, come on. A woman killing her children? This isn't like Just something... edit it out, then. Edit it out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uncomfortable silence. <laughs> Thank you. I just think it's an inappropriate story for what we're doing. Okay, let it drop. Wow. <laughs> okay, uh, let's just move on. How's that? That's fine. That's fine. All right. Thanks for the news there, Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's so awkward. Let's go. Vanessa, thank you for doing the news. You're welcome. All right, let's move on to DVDs. Bill always has the latest DVDs, and this week I have a new DVD. <laughs> and that was the clip. <laughs> oh, my God. So you can see there were times when it was, Steve and I would be looking at each other like, and, okay, the drops weren't helping, were they? <laughs> For us, they weren't. You and I sitting here looking and laughing at each other. <laughs> Oh my god, that was so... Oh. So, Vanessa, I love you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh. uh, Bill had a really good point, though, didn't he? He just did it in a way that made Vanessa so mad. <laughs> and there were times where uh, I would try to get her to read other stories or suggest other stories. She would always say, I didn't get them. And I go, no, I emailed them to you. I checked my email, they're not there. And be like... Just forget it. Do whatever stories you want. That's the way it was. So, <laughs> good times. But if you guys want to check out the uh, the Archives. archive, go to etlandfill.com. Scroll down on the right till you see links. You'll see ETEL Fan Club right there. Right underneath it, Show Archive. Click on Show Archive. Boom! You have... Every single episode we've ever done of Nora Mulberry, just for you guys. Uh, this is very important to me to get this out eventually, especially by June. I think I said like six months ago, I'm going to get it done by June. Boom, June, I got it. Had to get the new tier on Podbean to have unlimited bandwidth. Got them all up there. No matter what happens now, 
the archive exists. The only thing that could go wrong is Podbean saying, we had a massive server crash. Everything's gone. And I'd be like, no, I got to upload everything over again. <laughs> Hopefully You've that doesn't happen. you got all these happen. saved on an on a independent drive somewhere? Yeah, I have it on my... Uh, I have it, of course, on this computer. I have it on my uh, secondary drive. And now I have them on podbean.com. All the episodes. Except for that one clip I played just for them. Do you think they feel special <laughs> hearing that? Now, that, that was obviously not a live show we did. That was... Basically, uh, we back in the day, it, we recorded it, and, and I, I edited that out of the show. Which, because at the time, if if that happened now, I would totally leave it in the show. But I didn't know any better back then. I was like, oh, this is an argument. I should cut that out. Little did I know, this, sh- this shit is entertaining. Leave that in the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the early shows, if you go back and start... Listening to the early shows, episode one, two, I want to make the unedited versions available because they're over edited big time. I want the unedited versions out there. And if I could find them, I would. Uh, They're lost, just like George Lucas's original versions of Star Wars are no longer in existence. I think they're around here somewhere. If I could find, I think episode three, it's funny, I had Bill edit episode three super edit. It's no fault of his own. We were just learning, but I don't think there's a breath in there. It's like the cutting, it's cut so tight that there's not even like in there. It's all cut together, but you got to let it breathe, man. Let natural flow of dialogue between people and stuff like that. I was wondering, just going to ask and maybe throw this out there. If you make a, archive of just your clips of oh you mean every drop okay i've thought about that but steven i understand but every individual (laughs) clip (laughs) adam are you going crazy (laughs) from the bay area (laughs) look at this steven it says 10,752 items steven look at this do you know how long that would take me to upload that would take forever. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> that would take a long time. No, I'm just saying that's a great study material for the old king of the drive. Oh, I would. I'll send a thumb drive to Adam and Ross, guys. Do your homework. <laughs> that would be hilarious. But, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show and supporting us over the years. Uh I don't know. I just I got kind of emotional seeing this body of work here. This is my life's work since 2005. I mean, I've wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an artist. I became a podcaster, and it kind of overtook my life. This is hours and hours of entertainment. I couldn't even count all these episodes because they don't go in numerical order. They kind of do and then they go and turn into other episodes like there's after the shows then there's dvd companions then there's oscar shows then there's commentaries there's nim movie minis there's oh my god it just goes on forever and i have no i know it's over 400 it may be 500 shows i didn't even count the chuck series companions because that's a different thing but 
there's so many hours of podcasting out there. I hope somebody finds it entertaining because uh, that's awesome if you do. There's a lot of happy, happy memories in here where I see different things. Like, it's so funny. Like, I'll just read, uh, like, I don't know, like, uh, Slumbering Steven, episode 85. Why is it called that? Why does it say that? The Emmys suck. Was that, Chuck that was and Larry my, do too. <laughs> the, the slumbering Steven. I'm going to bet money it's the L.A. one where I fell asleep. That and is much guys... earlier. But yeah, that one uh, is in the show notes. Steven falls asleep during Alias Talk or something like that. Uh, it's funny here. We're talking about Vote Mulberry. And we're... Thank you for voting. No laptop desk. Do you remember when... Uh, one of the prizes, if you win this podcast award, is a laptop desk. So we were like, guys, we want that laptop desk. And then when we didn't win, we were like, no laptop desk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the live test show hosted by Bill and Jason. Technically our first ever live broadcast. And then there's episode 90, the first ever NIM on Talk Radio X. And that's pretty exciting. If you go back to listen to episode 90... Our energy did change from when we just recorded and talked to going live. We're, our, we went up-tempo, mm-hmm. and there was more energy, and I loved it. And even though we got sick of Talk Radio X and we didn't want to do it anymore, we always stayed live. We, I knew we've got to stay live because I love it. I like doing it live. I mean, I don't care if one or two people are listening. I know it's live, and there's more energy or something right. like that. I don't know. It's exciting. I hope you guys uh, like Ken on the other side of the world. So it's like in the morning. Yeah. Or something. Who knows what time it is there? He's in Tokyo listening to the show, which is awesome. And Ken, thank you so much for uh, listening to the show all these years and being a patron too. If you guys would go to etlandfill.com, you can check out this awesome archive. I've always wanted to have an archive like this. I'm excited about it. Just to see all of all of those shows. Steven, you were here for most of these. Do you even remember? Can you even fathom how many shows we've done? Oh, I mean, like I said, over 300 for sure. It's over 400. And, well, I mean. Of nowhere and Mulberries. Yes. Can you even fathom that? Do you remember all the conversations we've had? <laughs> no. I don't. Re- I that, vague, did you remember this co- I that clip I played? I vaguely remember that clip that, being very awkward. And the way Vanessa gets so mad, just forget it. Just cut it out. And it's like, oh, dear. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Like, uh, let's. let's I, I didn't even know how to defend that one. And you're like, cutting up. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, thanks so the, awkward. Thanks for the news, Vanessa. <laughs> all right, thanks. All let's do DVD. Is that, is that it? Is that, is that all the stories you got? That's it. Good times, <laughs> good times, and great wine. All right, guys. Well, if you would, if you're interested in that dark man commentary or other things, consider becoming a patron. Go to Patreon.com/landfill. That would be awesome because I want to keep doing this till the end of time and it would help if uh we could grow and well you have to because it's doom oh no <laughs> doom doom is out don't there don't say that steven it scares me <laughs> oh my word uh, exactly <laughs> all right steven before we go i have one voicemail
And now it's time to hear some voicemail. That voicemail is from, you guessed it, Adam Sexton. Yes. He has something to say to us, and we're going to listen to it before we go. Always my favorite. Guys, if you don't know this, my favorite thing in the whole world is getting voicemails. So please send a voicemail to us at nimpodcast at gmail.com. You get your little smartphone. Oh, I don't want to belittle their phone, Stephen. Get your very large screen. Or small screen. Yeah, your... Whatever smartphone you have. Get your smartphone. (laughs) I'm losing it. Uh, And record a message on it. Attach it in an email to mempodcast at gmail.com. I don't even know if I said a word right there. And send it to us. And I will play it on the show. Come on, we're missing a couple of guys who used to be regular with our voicemails. Yeah. Where's Adam? Adam Howard, Howard. Rick Lidster, Rick all those Lister. guys. We don't know what happened to any of those people. Rick. Adam Sexton Rick. always comes through. Rick was getting, he's getting into his, his uh, uh, what do you call it? The Winnebago? No, 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 no. The, the thing that flies in videos. Uh, airplanes. The drones. Oh, drones. Oh, he he's got doing, a drone. Yeah, he got a drone. He's been doing some video shots. Nice. I've been, I've been looking at some of those that he does. Cool. Are they I really awesome? He, the video yeah, quality he, of those is insane, isn't it? Yeah, he's like cruising out over the ocean and coming back in. I'm Have like, you noticed that all TV shows use drones now? Like yeah. all these, even House Hunters, they have the way up in the air, comes down. Like all everything uses drones now. That's what I, I need to become a drone pilot, get a job on a show, my, don't I? My my uh, cousin's son, his he got a drone, his drone license. Is he uh, good at flying it? Very adept. I assume. You know what's? Have you ever seen drone races? They wear yeah, the yeah, goggles yeah, yeah. where they see the point of view of the camera on the drone, and it's like pod racing. They fly through obstacle course, dude. That would be awesome to do that. Get your sponsors from Pepsi or something. Have hot women all over you? I prefer a sunny sponsor. <laughs> oh, Stephen, that's dirty. All right, let's have, we have a voicemail from Adam Sexton. That was a reference that me and Stephen. Uh, some people probably know that reference. Yes. Let's check this out, Adam Sexton. Hello, Entertainment Landfill crew. This is Adam Sexton calling to leave behind uh, some. We're reading uh, you loud and voicemail clear. Voicemail feedback and. Uh, Unfortunately, I will not be able to make it for tonight's live recording. I am still working, but uh, I'm sure the episode will turn out to be great when it gets posted. So uh, with that out of the way, on to the feedback. Uh, First off, I love the return of Nowhere in Mulberry. It was uh, great to see the crew back together again. And, uh, of course, congratulations to Bill for his recent academic accomplishments. And uh, it was great to hear all the the uh, segments, the sound bites, uh, the old commercials, and uh, just the conversation topics were great. I do, uh, of course, apologize for my uh, blunder in talking about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two and my mention <laughs> of a certain spoiler. Uh, I'll oh, try not to do that you. again. Uh, but it was just a great time. I had a great time in the chat room. Lots to talk about with uh, Natalie and Ken Preventure. And if there's anyone else I'm forgetting, I'm sorry about that. But it was uh, just one of the best episodes I've ever listened to. 
Oh, wow. And definitely one of the best I've ever participated in. So thank you for that. Also, uh, Jason, thank you for the the beginning of your Patreon updates, uh, bringing up, up the speed about what you want to do with the future of the show and uh, new episodes and certain things you'd like to you'd like to try. I'm all on board and whatever you want to do. And uh, I know there's another update coming pretty soon, so I'm looking forward to that. A third thing, uh, I absolutely love, in terms of new content, uh, you recently posted uh, your Dark Man commentary. And I've listened to this, uh, this uh, two-and-a-half-hour two just love fest for this movie, and... Uh, I think it's it's as well recorded and produced as your Chuck series companion episodes, and I really didn't know that you loved the movie so much. And also, I also realized that I didn't know the movie that well, uh, so much to the point that after hearing it, I went and bought a copy of a DVD copy of the movie myself, and. So awesome. And I've really overlooked it, even though I generally love the uh, work of Sam Raimi. And it was very funny, and it was very informative. And uh, I, I absolutely love this format, man. And I can't wait to see what your nine other favorite films are. So uh, please, keep it coming, man. Uh, what else? Oh, at some particular point in the past two weeks, you sent me a link to episode 50, and that, I believe, was the first anniversary show of Nowhere in Mulberry. I haven't heard it before, and uh, it, was, it was a great compilation. Everyone's uh, cutting, uh, everyone's just cracking up, and uh, I, I absolutely loved it. It was, it was a great anniversary show, and you're doing really good work trying to build up the archive of uh, old Nowhere and Mulberry episodes. And uh, I, I love this, this uh, podcast. It's one of my favorites, but there's so much I haven't listened to. So I'm glad that the archive is going to be available. Uh, and, uh, and thank you for providing that as well. So, um, I don't have a lot of information myself, and I really need to get back to work. But anyway, guys, no, uh, take work. care of Come yourselves, on. and uh, good luck on tonight's episode. And uh, say, uh, and I guess I will speak to you later. Get you later. Bye. All right, Adam. Thank you so much. And uh, like I said, uh, Adam, that feedback that keeps me going. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. Also, guys, feel free to send a voicemail. Send it at nimpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll play it on the next show. Well, guys, that's our show. I'm about to lose my voice, I think. What are you waiting for? Get out there and go see The Mummy? No, yes. go see Wonder Woman no, instead. No, The Screams. Come on. You want to hear The Screams. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm Steven. I'm the... What's okay. the, the night one? The Screams. <laughs> <laughs> What about it, it comes at night? Oh yeah. Uh it wait, what was that called? It, no, it comes wasn't. at night. It, is that what it's called? Yes. It comes at night. Okay. That's a little personal. Don't need to know that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
we're doing a blue show. Yeah. Oh, hello. Toilet humor. Sorry, guys. I don't know what happened there. I'm working blue, man. Uh, Sorry, Steve. I'm, I'm writing an email. Dear Vanessa, I hated when you would type on the air. Remember, I'm not typing. Vanessa, are you typing? No. Are you sure? No. Just keep doing what you're doing. Well, anyway, Stephen, on Smallville this week, uh, it's like, Vanessa, are you typing? No. It's like, <laughs> well, guys, what are you waiting for? Get out there and watch some podcasts. Oh, Jason. How do you watch, watch a podcast? Watch those podcasts. <laughs> Guys, get out there, watch some movies, some TV, listen to some podcasts like good old entertainment landfill, and we'll see you next time. Right, Steven? Yes, we will. Woohoo! Later, guys. Later, Later Ken. Later, everybody. Woo-woo-woo! Boom goes the dynamite and all that stuff. Well, that's it, guys. This portion of the Dark Universe is over. Please give us a fair review on Rotten Tomatoes as you exit the theater, and boom goes the dynamite. Now this is podcasting.